The book of Hebrews develops the theme that Jesus is better. To keep his audience from retreating from the substance back to the shadow. There is no need to sacrifice the body of Christ upon any other altar. To do so is to limit the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ to the level of bulls and goats. The book Hebrews' resounding theme is Jesus is better. The writer of the book develops the theme that Jesus Christ is better to keep the Jewish believers from retreating from the substance back to the shadow. Join Brother Areza in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 12, for part three of the series, Jesus is Better. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Hello friends, this is Evangelist Oliver Areza reminding you that someone is praying for you. And it looks like we will be able to wrap up this broadcast this week and next week. I am so glad that you have chosen to be with us. It's been an honor to have you with us. You know, the book of Hebrews teaches us how the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God through faith in the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be going through a couple of uh, passages in the Scriptures that Really, it just kind of shows us that when this man, Jesus, the God-man, enters the scene, how really things take a drastic change. Amen? And uh, just things begin to change in a very amazing, amazing way. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 24, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, for first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered himself up. You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ offered his life on the cross as our sacrifice, it was the once and for all offering that was needed. And if you're going to be a part of a religion or denomination that wants to sacrifice the body of Jesus Christ afresh and anew, every week, then you are saying that Jesus was no better than the bulls and goats, lambs and doves and birds that were used as sacrifices in the Old Testament. Friend, Jesus Christ is the once and for all offering. Well, we are going to be looking at the book of Mark chapter 15 and verse number 39. We're going to look briefly at 
this man's, I'm talking about Jesus, the God man, we're going to look at his testimony. But before we go to that passage, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to enjoy a beautiful number today, the old rugged cross by the Heritage Quartet. Shall we pray? Father, we come now in the precious name of Jesus, and we ask now that you'll bless the reading and the preaching of your word. What a shame, dear God, when we'd put anything above your precious son, Jesus, thinking that it's going to get us to heaven, whether it's baptismal, whether it's a communion, whether it's a church membership, whether it's good works. What an insult it must be, dear God, to you to think that we as sinful, wretched human beings could offer a few good works and they would they would suffice, they would be better than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank you for his testimony. We pray that you'll bless the reading and preaching of those scriptures to our hearts, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best
from these Bible verses, people that were, they were witnessing the very events that we look at history. They were eyewitnesses. They were seeing it. They, they were seeing it at that very moment. I mean, it was happening before them. And the Bible says in Mark 15 and verse number six, verse number 39, and when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he, this is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was hanging on the cross, the Bible says that he cried out and gave up the ghost. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. So I want to just look briefly for a little bit here about this man's testimony. Really, it's all summed up and sealed up in the words of an eyewitness, the centurion. Truly, this man was the Son of God. So you see, this Roman centurion had witnessed the death of many men by this cruel sentence of crucifixion, which was known in history, really. The Romans were the ones that came up with this style of of a penalty, of corporal punishment. But as an eyewitness to the Lord's death and the crucifixion, when he gazed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, he knew that somehow this man hanging between these two thieves, he was different than anyone else he had ever seen. You see, throughout history, there have been leaders and so-called saviors, and I'm doing air quotes uh, around that word saviors, that men have looked to. But when you compare their message and their ministry and their motives to the wonderful ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are so inferior in comparison to Jesus Christ. I mean, when you think about the karma of Hinduism or the emperor of Shintoism or the pope of Catholicism or the angel Moroni of Mormonism or the devil of Satanism, or the false gods of paganism, the education god of secularism, the uh, Allah of Islamism and Allah and his prophet Muhammad, when you compare them to the Lord Jesus Christ, they all fall short of the love and loveliness of the Savior. They fall short of the grace and graciousness of of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. They fall short of the mercy and mercifulness of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. This man's testimony, well, the Bible said he is the Son of God. You see, this man's testimony, when we began to look uh, in the book of Hebrews, just the book of Hebrews alone, it tells us that Jesus is his names given in the book of Hebrews, he is known as his son, as God's son. He is known as the heir of all things. He is known as the creator and preserver of all things, the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of God, the cleanser of sin, God, Lord, Son of Man, Jesus, Captain of our salvation, our brother, Satan's victor, the seed of Abraham, the merciful and faithful high priest, deliverer of the tempted, apostle and high priest, Jesus Christ, 
house builder, better rest, son of God, Christ, the sinless high priest, the eternal priest, the author of eternal salvation, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, the forerunner, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, a surety of a better testament. These are all the names that are listed or ideas about the ministry of Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews, our intercessor, holy, harmless, undefiled, high priest, minister of the sanctuary, mediator of the better covenant, high priest of good things to come, interceder before God for us, the sin offering, our salvation, Jesus Christ, the finisher of sacrifices, the new and living way, high priest over the house of God, author and finisher of our faith, the same Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Oh, you see, my friend, the centurion had it right. He said um, about the Lord Jesus when he saw him give up the ghost, truly, this man was the Son of God. His testimony, he's the Son of God. His testimony, he is the Son of God. I want us to notice, secondly, his ministry. I'm looking to the book of Luke, the 15th chapter, and I want to begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Then one drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So pretty much we're understanding Jesus has come to an area and all of a sudden these publicans and sinners have come, they've drawn near to him to hear what he has to say. Verse number two, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying, hey, look at these next two words. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. (laughs) Well, the religious crowd sure had a problem with Jesus sitting among these sinners here. And, and friend, don't ever wonder whether he participated in their sin. He didn't, amen. He delivered them from their sin. But just the point that the Pharisees and scribes were bent out of shape because he was receiving, receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he goes into this very well-known paragraph, this parable. He spake a parable unto them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Oh, I want to tell you today that this man, he has a ministry. He has a ministry, and I want us to take a look uh, briefly here at at the ministry that he has. Who does he go after? Who does he go after? Well, if you're able to, take your Bibles and look with me to the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at the 27th chapter, Matthew chapter number 27. And we're going to skip down to verse number, oh, let's see here, verse number 57. And look what it says here, Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 57. 
The Bible says, And when even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who was also himself, also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. So we need, see here that this is talking about a man we know as Joseph of Arimathea. He was a wealthy man, had already purchased his, uh, his sepulcher, you know, the, where he was going to be buried. Uh, and Jesus needed to borrow it for only three days and three nights. Amen. And, uh, but it says he was a disciple. He himself was a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, so many times we look at the rich, the wealthy, and think they don't need anything. They got everything they need in this life, but the truth is they don't. They need Jesus just like everybody needs Jesus. I remember on one of my first mission trips, I was flying to uh, an Eastern Euro- uh, Eastern Bloc country to do some short-term mission work, and I sat beside a lady who found out she was a Bulgarian doctor, and uh, I remember they brought us our meal, our breakfast for the morning, and I, she was sitting right beside me. I was going to ask the Lord's blessing on my breakfast, and I said, Ma'am, it looks like we can't do anything but eat breakfast together. I said, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'd like to pray. Can I, can, would you like to pray with me and ask God for blessings on the, and thank him for the breakfast? And she said, it'll be fine. Come to find out, she was a Bulgarian doctor. She was a very wealthy lady international traveler, and about 30,000 feet in the air, I was able to take my New Testament, and I was able to show her how to receive Jesus Christ as her Savior. I showed her the gospel and what it all meant, why Jesus came, and why we need to be saved. And that dear, sweet Bulgarian doctor bowed her head and sweetly called upon Jesus to be her Savior. Amen. Listen, Jesus has a ministry to the wealthy. Oh, we're going back to Luke chapter 15 and verse number verse number one says, He eateth with sinners. He has a ministry also to the common people. And that's what I see gathered around Jesus there in Luke chapter number 15. It's the common people. It's the people, the everyday people, you know, the folks that just, you know, that we rub shoulders with, that the disciples had a, a lot of problems with. Reminds me of a time that I was holding a revival meeting up near Webster, New York, and had a good revival meeting going. God had blessed us with many souls to be saved. And there was a young lady that was a teenage girl that was a member of that church, and probably for two or three nights in a row, she begged me to go see her father. She said, I'm praying for him, and I want to be sa- and I want him to be saved. And I said, I will, and just because of the details of the days, I just was not able to get out there. And once again, here we come to the end of the day, and the pastor has to go in. And, and I remember thinking, I've got to go see that young lady's dad. I told her that I was going to. So I grabbed the associate pastor, and we went out to meet him, knocked on the door. A big old giant barrel-chested man came to the door, big, just big, stocky, big, thick guy, tall. I introduced myself to him, and he introduced him to me, and I even remember his name, Mr. Pinkerton. And I began to tell him about the Lord, and I told him that his daughter wanted me to come by and visit him and share with him the the message of salvation. And he opened up just immediately, and he said, You know, I've been watching religious TV, and uh, but I, I haven't been able to put it all together. Would you come in and, 
and talked to me about these things. And I and my partner went into his house and opened up my New Testament and began to show him the sweet, wonderful plan of salvation. I explained to him that all of us are sinners. We're all born that way. We can't do anything about that. We're sinners. And because of that, we're going to have to die. The wages of sin is death. And, but it's not just not a physical death. We don't cease to exist when we die. We, we, our soul is immortal. We're going to spend eternity uh, in one place or the other, heaven or hell. The Bible says sinners, unconverted sinners, unforgiven sinners, unredeemed sinners have to go to hell. And he believed what the Bible said. And that man got on his knees and sweetly called upon Jesus to be his personal Savior that day. He came to the revival meeting that night, and I got to witness his baptism. When he came out of the water, he shouted out, I'm going all the way with Jesus. You see, friend, Jesus, he has a ministry to the wealthy. He has a ministry to the common man. He has a ministry to the poor and to the backslider. We'll take a little bit more time and look at those next week. But friend, if you are listening to this old-fashioned, old-timey gospel evangelist, and you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and the saving of your soul, then you can right now. And God says, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Why don't you make this prayer your prayer today? Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to go to hell. Please forgive me and come into my heart and save me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We'd love to hear about your decision for the Lord Jesus. Isaiah is going to tell you how you can get a hold of us. Be encouraged, friends, and remember, someone is praying for you. Thank you for listening to today's program. This week, Brother Areza is offering a simple Bible study on God's plan of salvation. To take advantage of this offer, dial 304-873-2225. Or you can write to him at ARM PO Box 301, West Union, West Virginia, 26456. This weekly radio program is listener-supported or is being underwritten by Areza Revival Ministries of West Union, West Virginia. Someone's Praying for You is a Gospel Voice production. Do the clouds around you gather In the midst of the storm Is your ship tossed and battered Are you weary and worn? Don't lose hope Someone's praying for you This very day And peace be still It's already on the way Someone is praying for you
Spring.